Welcome into another edition of the WISports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, your host for the WSN podcast, general manager, football writer at WISports.net, and uh, your director, if you will, as we go through all of the news and information from high school sports. And of course, we're going to keep a, a significant focus on the high school football season. That is now into week six. We are officially past the halfway point of the high school football season. We're going to talk a little bit about playoffs, a little bit coming up later in the show. There's a few topics I want to get to first that uh, kind of caught our attention in the last week or so. Have to go back to last week quickly before we move on to, uh, to this week and looking forward because there was a game last week that had something that I don't recall seeing, hearing about, reading about in 12 years covering high school football in Wisconsin. Menominee Falls and Waukesha West played a non-conference game last Friday. It was a uh, crossover game between the Greater Metro and the Classic 8. Both leagues have nine teams and thus have a, uh, each week, each league has a bye. And so they match up and play crossover games. It's, it's kind of nice. It fills an easy uh, hole in the schedule provides some pretty good matchups, provides some really interesting matchups as we saw early in the year. Uh, games like Brookfield Central and Catholic Memorial, Marquette in Muskego back in week one. Um, this particular one, because of where Waukesha West and Menominee Falls uh, fell in the standings last year, this game, this crossover game uh, happens happened in week five. Menominee Falls is 4-0, or came into that game 4-0, excuse me, having beaten Brookfield East, having beaten Marquette, and having established themselves as a legitimate contender in the Greater Metro Conference title race. In fact, they were the uh, last undefeated team in the conference title. Or no, excuse me, uh, Brookfield Central is also undefeated. Those teams have to meet a little bit later in the year. But uh, Falls was a contender and is a contender for the Greater Metro Conference title. Head coach Dan Lutz decided early in the week that he wanted to keep the focus on winning a greater Metro Conference title. Felt like they had some big things in store, some big things coming. And so he made the decision to rest a number of the starters for Menominee Falls. I don't know exactly how many. I know it was several, quite a few. Um, so they rested players against Waukesha West. And in, again, 12 years of covering high school football, I do not recall this occurring before. Certainly there's been some games where uh, because of a blowout situation, starters might play only a quarter, a half, three quarters, something like that. Um, but I don't recall a large-scale resting of starters before. The other interesting part, I mean, it's not like Waukesha West is a bad team that they were going to beat anyway. Waukesha West is a very good team that, quite honestly, Menominee Falls would have maybe been 50-50 against uh, if they had played everybody. Um, Waukesha West went on to win the game 35-6. to Pretty uh, dominant, easy victory for Waukesha West. And so now Menominee Falls moves forward uh, into the rest of their conference schedule. Uh, they're still undefeated in league play, but they're 4-1 overall. So, again, just an interesting situation that, that uh, I don't recall previously and, and not saying it's good, bad, or indifferent – on, uh, on the part of Menominee Falls, but very surprising, and, and again, something that we haven't seen before. 
obviously they went over the pros and cons of of doing this and and Dan Lutz and his staff decided it was worth whatever downfalls there might be to keep his team healthy to get his team healthy because there were for, there were a few players that were a little nicked up as you get to uh get to be a little bit you know this late in the year um and, and they're again keeping their focus on the conference schedule and that's that's their goal but it does you know create some concerns i think that again i'm sure that they went over and, and decided it, the the positives of doing this outweighed any risks but they were 4-0 and they had beaten some pretty good teams along the way what does this do to momentum for menominee falls you know you, you beat marquette you beat brookfield east and all of a sudden you just kind of stop uh, do they get back on the right track? Do they keep the momentum going? Now, their next two games are against Wauwatosa West and Wauwatosa East. East has not won a game yet. West has won one game. So they should have an opportunity to get back on track. The other part of that, I guess, the other uh, caveat to that is if you're going to rest players, Maybe, uh, I wonder if any thought went into resting them against East or against West, where, quite honestly, uh, you should win those games, even missing a few guys, um, as opposed to a game against a, you know, a, a higher quality opponent like a Waukesha West. Uh, another factor that brings into, uh, you know, brings into discussion is how will this impact seeding potentially for Menominee Falls? They still have to win some games. It, it's not like... You know they're they're just gonna run the table automatically. They still have to play Brookfield Central, who is undefeated in the conference as well, is a very strong team. Um, they still have to play Sussex Hamilton in the last game of the year, which is a solid team. So it's not guaranteed that they're going to run the table. But let's say they do. Let's say they win the next four games. They go eight and one. What does that loss to Waukesha West do to their seeding? If they're on that line where maybe they're going against another team, maybe from the Classic Eight, for a one seed in the playoffs versus a two seed, does this loss knock them down a seed or two in the playoffs where it could cost you a home game in level two or level three maybe? You know, if they get a two instead of the one, had they beaten Waukesha West and gone undefeated, you know, maybe they're a one seed instead of a two seed. Again, this is all hypothetical. Where in level three, if you're the one seed, you play at home. If you're the two seed, you play on the road. So does that come into play down the road? Or, you know, if, if Falls has a couple stumbles along the way and they're, you know, going between a, a three and a four seed, that's a difference in, you know, do you play the two seed or the one seed in week two? in level two if you win or maybe they're the you know on the line between a four and a five and that's the difference between a home game in level one and not having a home game in level one but again it it, uh it's things that i'm sure falls talked about and and again chose to move forward the way they did it it also kind of brings in the the conversation of with football high school football only having nine regular season games it's a very limited time that you have to be out there on the field there's only so many games that you get to play. Fewer games, fewer contests than any other sport. 
And so for those kids that did not play this week, or last week, I should say, that's one opportunity to play, one opportunity to compete, one opportunity to be on the field with their teammates that they do not have. If you sit out one game in the regular season, it's over 10% of your schedule that you missed. Now, obviously, there were some other players that filled in, got some additional time. You know, there's a benefit to that. But uh, and I'm in the the Falls kids are saying the right things. They're you know whatever uh, that they they agree with it. They they like uh, you know that the focus stayed on uh, the big things that they have in in mind. Um, but I wonder if there are some some feelings either from the players or even maybe the parents of you know this is one opportunity that we that we lost by going this route. I don't know, you know, if there's a right way to to look at this or to gauge whether this was successful or not. If they run the table, I guess you look at it and say it's a success. If they go 2 and 2 or 3 and 1 the rest of the way, I mean, is that do, do we judge that as being a success? I I don't know. But no matter what, it, it was interesting to see um there's been a lot of games where teams have been mismatched, and I don't recall anyone sitting out starters just to rest them. Uh, don't recall any midseason non-conference games like this. Uh, you know, not not playing everybody. Uh, I, I mean, it, it kind of brings into the conversation of well, why even schedule it? Why why, why have that game if if you're not going to try to win, uh, or at least do everything that you can to win? Um, I don't know. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but this kind of situation gets rectified and we won't have this kind of situation beginning next year because of the realignment that's coming up. So there won't be mid to late season non-conference games where you, you, know, you wonder about this kind of situation happening again. Uh, news came out earlier uh, today, in fact, or maybe it was last night. Um, I can't remember. Uh, Travis Houslett from the Portage Daily Register uh, reporting that Westfield had canceled the remainder of its varsity football program uh, for this year. Canceled the remainder of its schedule, the last four games. Westfield had not won a game yet. Um, they had been pretty well dominated the last uh, last week against Wisconsin Dells. They actually had a competitive game um, the, a few times this year. They, they lost 34-26 to Nakusa. 21 to 8 to Watoma, um, but just not enough bodies. They started the year with 19, according to uh, to Houslet. They were down to I think 13 healthy eligible players by the end of the Wisconsin Dells game, and understandably, that is not a uh, good situation. That is not a uh, a situation that's going to lend itself to a lot of success, and it's going to, in fact, it's going to lend itself to a lot of potentially significant negatives in terms of overexposure, overuse, um, you know, injury uh, exposure, etc. So Westfield uh, cancels their varsity football program this year. And it's unfortunate because this is the second time that they have done that in the last few years. I, I don't recall exactly which year it was, but they had uh, canceled their season in 2016 or 2017, something like that, the, the entire season. They had just returned either last year or the year before to play in a varsity schedule. Um, yeah, 2017, they had canceled the whole year. Last year was their first year back uh, playing varsity. Didn't have a lot of success last year. In fact, didn't win a game. 
Um, but uh, I thought maybe we could get through this year without this cropping up. But uh, Westfield does cancel the remainder of their uh, schedule for this year. Uh, another kind of off-field situation um, regarding Kenosha Christian Life, where they had not had a varsity program last year. They came back and played varsity this year. Our understanding was that they were returning to play in the Midwest Classic Conference, uh, the conference that they're a member of. So we had them in the league. We had their league games counting in the standings. We knew that there was a couple of teams that they did not play uh, because those teams had already contracted for non-conference games for those weeks that they were going to be playing, uh, Lake Country Lutheran and Living Word Lutheran, and didn't feel like getting out of those schedules, I guess, to fit Kenosha Christian Life back on their schedule. So uh, as far as we knew, the uh, Kenosha Christian Life was playing a conference schedule in the Midwest Classic. Well, uh, got some information this week and, and verified with the conference and with the WIAA that Kenosha Christian Life is not a member of the Midwest Classic. So that league, instead of being an, back to an eight-team league, is actually a seven-team league, which does potentially uh, create you know, some impact on the playoffs. Now, Kenosha Christian Life probably wasn't going to win a game this year. Um, it's not like they were, you know, all of a sudden going to be challenging playoff teams or, or in the hunt for a playoff game per se, but uh, you know, it could, could have had or, and could have an impact on the playoffs if some of those teams are only playing six conference games and only need three conference wins to become eligible, as opposed to playing seven conference games and needing four conference wins to, uh, to guarantee themselves a spot in the playoffs. Um, kind, of, kind of an interesting situation, obviously. Um, and, and quite honestly, it, uh, it, it's something we've seen before. Um, in how conferences set up what they're doing and, and whatever. Uh, we've seen it with crossover games where, you know, these conferences will play against each other and they'll count one of the games as conference and one as non-conference uh, or what have you. And to be honest with you, sometimes it just feels like a, a little bit like manipulation of, um, of things to try to put themselves in the best possible situation to get as many teams in the playoffs. Uh, kind of the way I look at it is if, if Kenosha Christian life comes back to varsity football, they should be in the Midwest classic conference, the conference that they're in. And those should be conference games. Uh, you know, conferences that play crossover games, if they're going to count one of the games as crossovers and, and count them in the standings, they should count both of them. And that's not always the case. And it just kind of reinforces the idea that the 2020 realignment, which creates uniformity in the size of conferences and the number of conference games that are played and how crossovers are handled, that realignment can't get here soon enough. This is the kind of thing that this realignment plan takes care of. You don't have kind of this manipulation of, of how to... Uh, do conference games and crossover games and standings and what have you. Everybody plays seven conference games and it's all predetermined and you just get to it. The other thing it does is it uh, 
it, it creates obviously again a standardization of the number of games that teams play to qualify for playoffs because right now let's just talk about how imbalanced the current system is cambridge has not played a conference game yet they're in the four excuse me in the five team capital south after uh, wisconsin heights had gone to eight player football a few years ago they have remained a five team league so they play four conference games and so the way their schedule works they have not played a conference game yet everybody else in that league has but they only play four uh, conference games so cambridge hasn't played a game yet that actually impacts their playoff qualification status meanwhile 16 teams have already clinched playoff spots a couple dozen have already become playoff eligible and again that just shows the imbalance of the current system that is the uh, the significant driving factor in the 2020 realignment. A lot of people mistakenly thought, and we tried to explain this uh, over the course of the process, the realignment that was done uh, by the WFCA, the committee that I was a part of as well, the goal was not to fix everybody's realignment, conference assignment requests or issues or what have you. The goal of the plan was to create uniformity and standardization in how teams pl uh, qualify for the playoffs, how many teams are in each league, how many games each team plays for the playoffs. And it's exactly what the realignment plan did. It eliminated situations like this, where, again, Cambridge has not played a single game that impacts their playoffs yet. And we're in through week five. 16 teams have already clinched playoff spots. They could be done right now. They could, they could sit their starters the rest of the year and be in the playoffs. That imbalance is exactly what the realignment was for. And again, exactly why the 2020 realignment can't get here soon enough. So playoffs is a, uh, a good segue to the playoff report that we published on Wisports.net uh, earlier this week. The first uh, one that we published this year, and we'll publish one each week after each week the rest of the way here. It will take a look at those teams that have guaranteed themselves a conference record above 500, which in turn guarantees them a spot in the playoffs. We call that having clinched a playoff berth. There are also some teams that are playoff eligible those teams have guaranteed, guaranteed themselves at least a conference record of 500. So that makes them playoff eligible. There have been years in the past. In fact, there always used to be some teams that finished 500, exactly 500 in conference and did not make the playoffs. However, I think four or five years running, every team that finishes 500 in conference gets in. And then, of course, a number of teams that finish under 500 have gotten in. Last year, that number exploded. And uh, what was it, 17, 18, 20, something like that? I can't recall now. Uh, teams finished under 500 and got in the playoffs. So there's also a bunch of teams that can either clinch or become playoff eligible with one more conference victory. And our playoff report is our, our attempt to break it down as easy and simple as we can because the playoffs can be very confusing for a lot of people. There's a lot of people that 
you know, this is the first time that their child, their son has been on varsity and they haven't really followed high school football very closely. They're not sure what it all means. So uh, this is our chance to, in our attempt to break it down, keep it as easy as we can, uh, keep it as simple as we can and let you know who's in, who's in good shape, who can get there with one more win. And if your team isn't on any of the list yet, you've got a lot of work to do. Uh, you're probably going to need to win at least two, if not three, of the final four games to get in the playoffs and uh, get your spot in the playoffs. So the playoff report, uh, again, did come out. Uh, our week six playoff report, we'll have one that will come out after week seven. Or excuse me, after week six, after week seven, after week eight. So you can look forward to that the rest of the way on wisports.net. But week six is coming up here. And it is a really fun and interesting week because, quite honestly, this might be the best group of games that we have had all year, and it might end up being the best group of games that we have all year. Uh, some really huge matchups on the schedule. In fact, probably five or six at least games that you could look at and say, wow, that's a, that's a game of the week type game. Probably five or six games that quite honestly, would have been game of the week last week when we went with Medford and Rhinelander. Um, again, five or six different games you, you could pick from very legitimately and, and say that's the game of the week, but there's only one game that features a pair of defending state champions and a pair of teams currently ranked number one in the respective divisions of the Wisports.net coaches poll. And that is Friday night's showdown in the Classic 8 between Catholic Memorial and Muskego. Muskego, of course, won it all in D1 last year, going undefeated. Catholic Memorial was the champion of Division 3 last year with one loss. And that one loss was a last-second defeat at the hands of Muskego last year. It was a great game, one of the best games that we had all year in 2018, Catholic Memorial in Muskego came down to the end. Catholic Memorial scored in the closing seconds. In fact, I think it was three seconds on the clock when they scored to make it 28-27. And so Catholic Memorial was faced with that decision that we have seen so many times over the years of, do you kick the extra point and play for overtime, or do you go for two in the win? And it, as it seems most coaches do at the high school level, Catholic Memorial went for two in the win. However, their two-point conversion attempt was stopped by Muskego, and Muskego won that one 28-27. And again, both teams, though, would go on to win a state title. Both teams are ranked number one right now. Even though Catholic Memorial had that slip-up against Kettle Moraine a couple weeks ago, um, I, I think there's a very strong argument to be made that not only are these two of the best teams in the state. They might be two of the best five to 10 teams in the state, regardless of division. So this is a huge one. And the one that we picked is game of the week on Wisports.net. But there were some other games that certainly received consideration. Some real big ones on the schedule. And, and we'll go through a few of them. We'll go through a few of the ones that not only uh, maybe weren't in the conversation for game of the week, but are interesting and compelling for a lot of reasons. Uh, 
kind of the runner-up, if you will, in, in many other weeks, the game that would have been the game of the week is actually going to take place on Saturday between Racine St. Catharines and Racine Lutheran. Racine St. Catharines was the Division Four state champion last year. They're currently ranked number one in Division Four. Racine Lutheran was the runner-up in D6 last year. They're currently ranked second in Division Six, behind Regis. Both teams are undefeated, and this is a huge showdown. A couple of really talented uh, offensive units. Of course, you have Tyler Tenner from Racine Lutheran, um, threatening the state's all-time rushing record. Racine St. Catharines, despite losing to Sean Brown, uh, just keeps on keeping on. Isaiah Dodd doing a great job at running back. Um, some really talented playmakers remain on that St. Catharines team. So this is going to be a great game on Saturday. And again, many other weeks probably would have been our game of the week. Other games that got consideration, undefeated teams in the North Shore Conference. Hartford, 5-0, at Homestead, 5-0. Both ranked in the top 10 in Division II. In fact, Homestead's second. Homestead, of course, is defending state champion. Homestead is an 18-time at least co-conference champion in the North Shore Conference. Last year, they won it outright en, en route to a title. Uh, and Hartford, you know, looking very good. But can, it get, can they do it? Can they get it done against a Homestead team that just finds a way over and over? But this is a huge showdown. Again, could have been considered for a game of the week type uh, situation. Some other real interesting games of note, and, and we'll go through, let's say, the Milwaukee area first. Um, in addition to Catholic Memorial Muskego and Hartford Homestead, you also have a big one in the greater metro where Marquette plays at Brookfield Central. Marquette was the conference champion last year, got off to a slow start this season, but have rebounded and won the last three. Brookfield Central has made it to the last two Division II state championship games, and for Brookfield Central, they really need a win to uh, kind of keep pace, if you will, with Menominee Falls and um, stay atop of that league. St. John's Military Academy is a very surprising team in the early going. They're 5-0 and overall, and they'll take on Lake Country Lutheran this week. This is a non-conference game. St. John's is in the Midwest Classic, or excuse me, in the uh, Metro Classic. Lake Country Lutheran is in the Midwest Classic, and uh, really an interesting non-conference game. Um, Lake Country Lutheran, of course, beat Springs earlier this year and then ended up losing to Darlington, but uh, looking very tough again. Germantown is at Cattle Moraine. Cattle Moraine, of course, was the darling of the state a couple weeks ago when they beat Catholic Memorial, but then turned around and got hammered by Maguanago last week. I think it was 35-3. to three. Uh, This is actually um, a non-conference crossover between the Classic 8, represented by Kettle Moraine, and the Greater Metro, represented by Germantown. Also a rivalry game between Pewaukee and New Berlin-Eisenhower on the schedule this year. Moving to the Madison area, some big games in the Big 8. Verona went down to Sun Prairie last week, but they have to rebound quickly because they traveled to Madison Memorial this week. And really, this is the last chance for anybody, I think, to get a piece of Memorial. 
Uh, they've already beaten Sun Prairie, La Follette, and Middleton. Their next three games are against the, uh, I think it's one or both of the Janesville schools. Uh, needless to say, the games on the schedule after this week are very winnable games at the minimum for Memorial. This is probably the last shot for anybody to catch them. They're the only undefeated team in the Big 8 still. Verona's got the talent to do it, but they've got to get it put together. Another Big 8 game features Sun Prairie at Madison La Follette. Both of these teams are one loss. Sun Prairie, not surprising that they're in that title contention. Madison La Follette's a little bit of a surprise team right now, although their schedule certainly has some remaining uh, games that are, are very difficult. Um, but kind of a sneaky game in the Big 8 where both teams have one loss and you know, depending on what happens in that Verona-Madison Memorial game, one of these teams could find themselves as co-leaders of the Big 8 after this week. A big one in the Trailways Small, where Lords Academy goes to Randolph. Both teams are undefeated. In the Badger South, Milton has uh, looked very dominating so far. They're undefeated, looking very good. And... Uh, I- Probably the last biggest challenge for them on the schedule is this week as they travel to Stoughton. Some other games of note. Um, in the Trailways Large, uh, Horicon Houstisford is at Marcusan. And then moving to the Fox Valley, some big ones in the uh, VFA. Last week, we had uh, some big games featuring some of these teams. Uh, Appleton North goes to Fond du Lac, and then Appleton East is at Caucona. Appleton East and Caucona were a, a couple surprise teams early on, started 4-0, but both lost last week as they enter the tougher part of their schedule. So one of these teams uh, is going to get back on track. The other is going to suffer a second straight defeat. Another game that did get very strong consideration for Game of the Week was Menasha at West Pier. Both teams are undefeated, both ranked. In the top five of their uh, respective divisions, they have dominated the Bay Conference the last few years. There's really nobody that is, uh, has challenged them, either team, for a few seasons here. And so really the Bay Conference title in, in many ways is probably on the line tonight. Wrightstown is at Little Shoot. Wrightstown looking to rebound after their first loss to Freedom last week. A rivalry game in the East Central finds Kewaskum traveling to, P- uh, to Plymouth, excuse me. St. Mary Springs is at Winnebago Lutheran in a uh, Fond du Lac crosstown rivalry. Winnebago Lutheran is the only, uh, besides Springs, those are the only two undefeated teams in the Flyway Conference so far. Moving to the western part of the state, Melrose Mindoro went down last week to Augusta in an upset, ended Melrose Mindoro's 20-game conference winning streak in the Dairyland. Blair Taylor is the only undefeated team now in the Dairyland in conference play. And uh, Blair Taylor gets a chance to make a big statement as the league favorite. Hudson's at Menominee. You know, a little bit of luster off of that one with Hudson having a, a tough start to the season. But that's been uh, a great rivalry to watch the last few years. Baldwin-Woodville is at St. Croix Central. St. Croix Central was knocked off by New Richmond last week. They're looking to get back on track. Baldwin-Woodville is looking pretty strong in the early going. And then one more game of note on Saturday. We mentioned Racine St. Catharines is at Racine Lutheran, but another one down in the Milwaukee area as Milwaukee Marshall travels to Milwaukee King. Some really talented players on display in that one. 
uh, Milwaukee King potentially, uh, you know, in the hunt. They've, they've received some votes in the uh, coaches poll the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if, if King or maybe Riverside, maybe Marshall, I don't know, can carry what has been a pretty solid start to the season for the MPS schools, carry that into the playoffs and make some noise. But uh, a good one there, Marshall at Milwaukee King. A number of other games of note, uh, you can find them all in our week six preview that will come out on Thursday on Wisports.net. We'll break down some more of the big games, what to watch for, etc. And of course, the games begin Thursday night and then continue uh, with a lot more, obviously, on Friday as well. So that'll do it for week six, uh, our, our week six preview, if you will, on the podcast. Um, again, getting to be that time of the year, there's, there's some teams making moves. There's some moves to be made this week in a lot of ways, and uh, we're starting to see some separation, starting to see some separation between the top teams and some of the teams that are dropping off a bit. We're starting to see, you know, some conference races really take shape in terms of, uh, you know, who's the favorite, who's really in the driver's seat now at this point. Um, so it's, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. And of course, as we always say, if you're able to, if you have nothing else going on or nothing better going on anyway, get out to a game. It, it's great uh, theater. It's great, uh, you know, atmosphere. And it really is the best value in sports, getting to a high school athletic competition. $4, maybe $5 gets you into a high school football game. $200 gets you into a Packer game. You know, $50 to $100 gets you into a Badger game. Uh, $60 to $100 or more gets you into a Brewer game, plus parking and, and everything else that goes with it. So it really is a great value to get out to a high school football game, engage the community, engage uh, the, the people around you, and obviously the athletes working hard out on the field. I'm Travis Wilson, General Manager at Wisports.net. This has been a WSN podcast. We'll see you at a game.